Welcome again to another edition of Political Profundity, a uh, special, I guess, coronavirus edition. Um, here we're, we're stuck in the uh, ravages of this uh, global pandemic right now, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, we're also going to be staying with our politics bent and talk about some things that might have been going under the radar over the past uh, week, week and a half. Um, you know, talking a little bit about the DOJ job, uh, dropping the uh, case against um, the Russian internet companies. Um, talking a little bit about Biden's sweeping Sanders uh, and uh, talking about John Bolton's book, Delayed Again. That was supposed to come out in March. Now it's looking some like May. We're going to touch on those other political issues very briefly, stay with coronavirus for the most part. Um, and, you know, I, I even I forgot to introduce Karen. Karen Weil and John Guzan. Hi, Karen. Hi. And hello to everybody listening. I'm assuming from the sanctity of your home uh and karen and i usually do this uh remotely um so we're not changing very much although um, a lot of different people are um karen last friday uh i guess that would then have been uh the 14th we were looking at about 1400 cases 1500 cases in the united states we're over 7,000 uh less than a week later um Looks like um, there is going to be some hard times ahead. There will be a lack of of, of uh, medical treatment in some areas. Looking like New York City is going to be ground zero at this point. Um, you know, no, um, you know, uh, I guess you know, bad history, um, uh, you know, brought back. But um, it's looking like that's really where it's going to, uh, you know, hit first and hit hardest at least early. Um, New York City's looking like um, a ghost town in those images that you see. Um, there's no one in those, you know, you know typical tourist traps. Um, you know, really, what is going on is 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 unfathomable. Um, but there's been a lot of other things going on. I mean, what we kind of have on our on our on our docket today is, you know, really kind of you know that companies had left themselves vulnerable with the tax cut and um, giving out dividends. They don't have as much cash on hand as you'd probably want in this situation. Again, you can't uh, prognosticate a global pandemic like this, but um, it's 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 one of those things that you try to take care of for the future. Um, also, with the tax breaks that were given, the federal government's doing re- re- record deficits even before this. Um, Italy is 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 completely being ravaged. I think they have more than twenty five hundred deaths right now, um, and then you know now China and the U.S. are battling. Um, you know what is sticking out to you in this whole coronavirus story as as really that thing that kind of comes top of mind that you won't that that that, that you know is really concerning you or that you're seeing as being really the top of a whole avalanche of headlines. Well, just from my observation, personally, just it's it's the unknowns here, and I I mean that is probably an obvious answer. You know, we don't know how bad this pandemic's truly going to get right. because it's a new type of a virus that can infect animals and humans. Um, you know, it's according to most reports and what most medical experts are saying, it's 10 times more lethal than the flu. Um, 
you know, these symptoms take sometimes up to two weeks, and, and for many people that can just feel like a cold or or maybe a bad case of flu, and, and probably for most people that's all that's happening. But um, yeah, obviously the, the testing element and lack of access to them uh, right now is, is, is very frightening. If I think if the country had a, a pretty, you know, robust testing system in, in effect, obviously we'd know how many more people, if they were infected, had it. And um, maybe just maybe a little, you know, they're farther along in how to treat people and, and handle the containment. But again, we just don't know because this is so new. Um, well, you know, and also, I mean, do we not know, I mean, do we also not know because of, you know, the lack of testing here and the slow rollout? Right. Uh, as, as we know, and, and, you know, you have to bring it up, but, you know, the Trump administration was told in January, early in January, this was coming and to get ready for it. But as most people who have paid attention to the entire um, saga of this know that the Trump administration disbanded. The pandemic unit. Well, by the way, John Bolton played a role in that, mm-hmm. um, which just didn't seem to be the smartest thing to do right now. And again, he, he did this for reasons I, you can only, I mean, only the only reason it seems to be is because it was something that happened in the Obama administration. And we know Donald Trump seems pretty obsessed with President Obama and basically erasing his record. Um they're just because nothing else would make sense, frankly. <clears throat> so that's another big reason why this is happening now. Um, you know, the federal government was not really prepared. Uh, I think we've seen a lot better leadership on the part of state governments, including, and might I add, to be fair, Republican Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio, who's taken a, a lot of, uh, you know, strong steps to try to contain yeah. the spread of the virus in his state. Um, we can only hope his fellow Republican governors follow suit. Oh, and I should add, I will include Larry Hogan of Maryland, who's a very moderate Republican, and Charlie Baker of Massachusetts, also a very popular moderate governor of a very blue state, because these men are not allowing ideology to dictate their decisions. They're simply doing what they believe, based on what they're being told from their health experts, is best for the people of their state, and conversely, people of other states. Because, you know, as we know, John, a virus doesn't care about borders. It doesn't care about state lines or stock markets or anything else. It does what it does. And so we have, just like I said, we've seen governors taking the reins here where Donald Trump just doesn't seem capable of doing so. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the biggest things that kind of comes to me, at least, is really what happened with the testing. And, um, you know, it's, it's not very clear right now. Um, I know that it's been said that the system wasn't set up to handle the amount of tests that needed to be done, um, you know, which can be understood. Um, but we know that there has been uh, training. There's been um, scenarios brought up that if you know when pandemics hit in the past, we know that that that's part of what the federal government does, especially emergency preparedness. They're constantly looking at these things. Um, there was that the U.S. Um, stayed away from the uh, World Health Organization test to begin with. Um, nobody else was mobilized. The, the the military, the National Guard, there was this calming, it's going to pass um, idea. And then at some point they decided, 
um, we need to go public. I mean, we need to go private and get, you know, P3 partnerships, uh, public-private partnerships here to do this. And, it, and, and uh, you know, when the debrief is all done after this whole crisis is over, um, that's really going to be the interesting things here is, you know, they tried to create a new system once the tests were already needed. And instead of going emergency route, they went, you know, the route that you would have went in December if you're trying to create a system um, uh, you know, based upon a hypothetical future, um, outbreak instead of, um, reacting to, um, a crisis, which was unfolding and, you know, before them and just saying, I mean, that's the way it seems that, you know, they went, you know, wanted to go private, um, when we just needed to go fast and it didn't really matter who we were getting, especially, you know, you, you, we could have mobilized, you know, I'm sure that there's plans there that didn't say that you had to create public-private partnerships in the midst in in the midst of an outbreak, and not use those governmental entities like the army and others who are typically there. Um, you know, again, I don't know all this, but this is what it seems like to me, and from what you're be, what we're able to parse through these news reports and the lack of of, of direct information from the Trump administration. Um, we know that there are thousands of cases, and you mentioned Governor DeWine from Ohio. He was one of the first ones to early come out and just say, "Hey, we're going to have a hundred thousand cases here." Um, you know, based upon the numbers that we see now and the amount of tests that we have, um, and 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 no one else is really talking about it like that. But we know that people had to have that information, and and so you know, I don't know whether you see that the same way or what do you think about the testing, but it seems like that response was. You know, not just lackluster, but it's going to cost lives. And, and you know, I don't know. I mean, do you see it the same way? Well, again, it goes back to the response of the federal government. And we already have talked about that the Trump administration, for various reasons, was a day late in the dollar short in terms of responding to this. I mean, not too long ago, Trump was calling the virus, or perhaps this is taken out of context, but more or less he was calling it a hoax. Um, and Or that it just wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, and that, that, you know, I mean, would you, know, you agree with me that... This was being used to harm him politically. Yeah, I, I just, you can't take somebody like that seriously. Now, you know, I think back to, oh, a million years ago, 2003, when George W. Bush was president, just, you know, only two years into his first term, and you had the SARS epidemic starting specifically, you know, overseas in, in Asia and in Canada, and there was some concern about it coming to the States. I am, now, there are re- various reasons why that didn't happen, but in part, I'd also say because the Bush administration at that time had a pretty good response team ready for that. But again, you know, we're now talking about somebody who, uh, unlike Bush, has no had no leadership governmental experience whatsoever and proves it and seems only I, you know, the only reason I, I know the other day Trump gave a press conference where he sounded like an adult for five minutes. OK, um, too little, too late, in my opinion. I'm sorry. Uh, and, the, and I suspect because Trump is being told there's a very good chance you're going to lose now in November. And, um, you know, Donald Trump needs a second term for a lot of reasons. But another one is because to avoid being indicted in the state of New York, for starters. Um, you know, this was a man, let's not forget, it was impeached in December for asking a foreign country to interfere in the electoral process here. I know, who cares now? But still, that's just a reminder of Donald Trump's record now. 
And so I just, um, again, I, I just don't think he cares other than his fear of losing in November. And, um, you know, yes, he may be taking some better steps now, but these are steps that should have been anticipated at least in January when this virus started breaking out and when people here were warning it's only a matter of time before it does indeed, we do start seeing cases being reported here in the United States. So I, I think, again, you, you make a very good point about how, yeah, we need to have government and the private sector working together to stem the tide of this, to help people financially. Um, you, you know, you've seen these stories, CNBC had a very good one about that. that basically, I mean, a lot of big corporations, they broke the number one rule of personal finance because they themselves don't have really a lot of money on hand to deal with giving, you know, giving extra cash to their employees that may need to be laid off or dealing with their own health issues. So, you know, I, I normally we, we've come to believe in this country <clears throat> that government never works and it can't do anything right. And things work perfectly in the private sector. Um, well, that's just not true. And again, it's nothing against the private sector. The private sector does well what it does well. And government does things that your average American cannot themselves do, mm-hmm. like build roads, right. like, you know, set up a, a social insurance program, et cetera, and so forth. Um, but and again, we've seen the weaknesses of both, and which is why both need each other to some, you know, sure. to some degree to to basically like, you know, keep the ship going, so to speak. If that makes any sense, I know I'm using a lot of metaphors here, people. Um, yeah. But we're seeing, again, we're seeing these weaknesses laid bare and, and at the worst possible time. Again, that, that now the Trump administration is taking maybe some smarter steps, fine. Um, just wish they would have done this a little sooner. Yeah, and, you know, uh, as far, you know, I don't want to, you know, harp right now too much on, on the Trump response because, you know, we have to right. look forward and try to – Heal, And I want to give credit where credit's due. Like you said, Monday, Tuesday, so far today, a lot different of a man um, running the, the show than, mm-hmm. than in the past, at least publicly. Um, well, but, I'll, but, I'll well, push well, back just a little l- bit. His press, just let me, can I just say something? This press conference today was not exactly impressive, but okay. No, I, yeah, I will agree matter. with you. Here I will agree with you. Okay. You know, <clears throat> I mean, my point was just, you know, Monday and Tuesday – showed a little yeah. different and but that to me was because of the horror show that was Sunday. And I don't yeah. you know know how many people saw Sunday's event but they finally got back with you know because they lied on Friday and said that on Monday they were going to uh, uh you know you know Google was working on a website you're going to be able to find out where to get your tests and um you know whether it was just just wrong-handed information or you know I've read uh there was a piece in the Atlantic how it was kind of Jared Kushner's thing he pushed it to Trump and Trump just ran with it not really knowing exactly what he was talking about um but he came out on Sunday and said well the you know the CEO of Google called me and apologized and you won't apologize he was talking to the media and you should and he hold it, held up a, a a a piece of paper and then he just kind of let it flip you know and and I was fearful at that moment like oh my god the man is gonna completely lose it um and 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 somewhere along the line at least on monday and tuesday it it he pulled it back i don't think you know personally i don't i don't feel like there's any real 
feeling there. When he talks about the deaths, it just seems like he's it's another talking point that he was given. But, you know, and again, I don't want to harp on this too much, but it seemed like, you know, Sunday I was, you know, thinking that gosh knows what's going to happen here when you have a president acting like this in a pandemic, wanting apologies from people for nothing that they need to apologize for. And we're talking about reporters here who are trying to get to the bottom of, of statements made by a president. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, at least for two days, he was able to at least publicly um, sort of say some of the right things. I agree that, you know, today's briefing was, again, you know, kind of a step back. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, we – we have the leader we have, and um, it, that's not going to change through this early bit of this of this uh, crisis. And um, you know, because it's probably going to be a full eighteen months. the The next president, if there is one, is going to have to be dealing with this situation as well. And you know, we only can hope that we get there. Um, we have a couple, a few other points. What's going on in Italy um, has been. You know, I, I guess it's 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 looking at you know maybe what the future will lie for us, um, uh, or um, you know maybe maybe we, there's still time to stem it. I'm not so enthused with knowing that people just really, really haven't cared in the fact that we have it in every state and it's hidden. Um, you know, there's one incident that that's been made public here. Some guy went on YouTube. He got infected in Arizona on February 29th. Um, long before mm-hmm. anybody was taking this seriously. Um, and he, you know, it, it took him, you know, uh, two weeks to get a test. Um, and he fought so hard because he had a one month old at home. Um, but so we know it's going around in this country. Um, so, you know, to me, you know, it, it might even be worse than, 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 than what Italy's seeing, the way that the cases are rising. Um, and then you also have, you know, now there's games, China blaming the United States. Uh, U.S. being, you know, blaming China, um, all this back and forth when we're not really concentrating on the fact that we got to solve this, um, and even some reports recently that 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 younger people aren't as uh, 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 unvulnerable or able to handle this as as well as others. And the last little bit, you know, before I throw it to you, is this gentleman uh, I said in Arizona who got infected on the 29th. Um, he was a 27 year old guy. Um, he, he still, you know, had a very high fever and was spitting up blood in between it. So we know that, Jeez. you know, these people who get it, anybody who gets it, it's not going to be easy no matter how old you are. Um, and, um, you know, I mean, this is a guy that was really trying to be, um, uh, you know, you know, cautious about it, locking himself in his room, self-isolating himself from his family, um, you know some, you know, hard weeks to go here. And, you know, you know, with that, you know, I'll throw it to you. You can pick up whatever else you want on Italy or China, um, you know, before we move on to our kind of humdrum topical, you know, you know, political stuff. Well, you you mentioned Italy. And as of today, according to Al Jazeera, there are 31,000 cases there. That's up 12% from 27,000. Just excuse me in the last few weeks. Uh, and and you mentioned this younger person with the virus. There was there was reports of a a twenty something soccer coach in Spain who died. There's been reports of uh, recently a man in, who was in his forties in Italy, I believe, who passed away. So the as you said, the young are not you know they're not invulnerable to this. They can get it, and in you know there is a chance that their own lives could be at risk. Uh, everybody has to take 
seriously. Um, I, you know, I, it just, it's just heartbreaking what's happening to Italy. And this is a country, especially, uh, I've been lucky enough to go there once or twice and just, you know, Italy is just extraordinarily beautiful and historic. Um, and this is a country that relies deeply on tourism. So, you know, you've seen reports of Americans who you know, can't get out of there because of what's happening. That, that country is pretty much on lockdown all the way. Um, so it's, it's just, and this, this is a first world nation with a good health system. I mean, Italy's political system is usually, you know, there's usually a new, you know, prime minister or president every year there. That's just kind of a sort of a running joke, um, in the past, but I, I, I just can't even imagine what life is going to be like for, for Italians, you know, never mind, you know, millions of Chinese who are, are, you know, having to live with this. But again, I just, I, I, I just have to go back to the fact that you've seen, you know, the governments just are not, were not prepared for what was happening here. And, um, I, you know, we can only hope that somehow this gets, at the very least, contained uh, in the near future. And and I realize the vaccine is still months away. You know, and, but it would be wonderful if that if that happened. Um, and that's you know where I live. I mean, pretty much now people are on lockdown. So it's you know this is this is real and this is serious and it's happening. Yeah. And for anybody to pretend otherwise that it's not. Yeah, I wake up is all I can say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, with Italy um, and with every other country, as we all know, and I, you know, I just want to reiterate it again to anybody out there who's thinking this is not a big deal and you should be able to go out. Um, the big thing is, even if you're going to be fine, um, who you spread it to, um, and the fact that there's only a certain number of ventilators, ICU beds, um, right, and it's the curve. It's it's if how many infections you have at one time, and like what happened in Italy is you're starting to ration healthcare, and ration these yeah. these intensive cares, and so they're making choices on. Well, you're older, you have a pre-existing condition, so you have to sit in the hallway and most likely die. And we're going to try to save this other younger, healthier person. Um, and it's just the facts. And and you know it's. Um, we're not so used to those kinds of life and death choices um, in our in our current modern society, um, and so you know, I mean, it 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 makes Twitter wars seem very useless um, at this point, and hopefully, um, you know, everyone comes together um, because of it. Um, it's the only thing I can think of. And the last little bit I want to kind of throw out there is, um, you know, of course I'm not a doctor, um, but. You know, one of the things I saw from China is is that they they went back to, um, you know, kind of the more simpler way to treat things. And once they knew who was infected and who survived, one of the ways they were using to treat was by using plasma from people that recovered. And so if you don't have the testing mm-hmm. and you don't know who's recovered, you can't then take their blood, get their plasma for the antibodies, and then you give that to people who are very sick so that their body knows how to identify. And and that's what happens to a lot of these people that get really sick from the stuff that I've seen is that they get so much of an infection before your body even identifies that you're overwhelmed. And there's no way for you to overcome that. 
uh, because you're, it's a novel, again, coronavirus, which means unseen, right? Like, uh, you know, that people don't, you know, if you don't know the word out there. Um, that's why it's called novel coronavirus is because you haven't, right. you know, hasn't been seen before. Um, right. And so that's, you know, going to be crucial. I think those two things are going to be crucial. And that's where really where the failing of testing comes in. If we don't know even who's recovered to a certain extent, we won't even be able to use that as as the basic treatment where we're bringing in people who are cured, taking their blood and giving it to, you know, giving uh, their plasma to other people. Um because that's probably going to be the last line of defense. Um, and if we don't know this and we don't know who's recovered um, out in the population, um, and if we're, you know, we can't just have these people be home and getting better. You need to know who they are and who they who has gotten better in order to, to, to take that treatment route. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, you know, more just issues to think about, I think, and why testing needs to be so widespread that um, that that nearly everybody will know whether they had it and whether they recovered from it, um, because then you can call on those people to to, to save other lives. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know if you've yeah. got any more. We'll move on to our political talk. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, um, you know we had uh, you know some things on there. Um, you know some things ready to talk to. Again, it seems like a lot of we talk about COVID nineteen or. Uh, you know, SARS, uh, COV2, um, it seems like a lot of these other political things don't really matter so much, right? Um, um, but at the same time, you think about it and you say, hmm, uh, the Department of Justice um, moving to dismiss the cases against the Russian companies. Now, you know, on its face, um, and and even when you get into it, you might think, well, this seems like, you know, a, a very... A very uh, 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 casual excuse. Now, now Trump in in October, when maybe things have slowed down, it can say, well, you know, the DOJ even dropped these charges against these companies because it never happened. But that's not really, at least, what the DOJ is arguing now. They're they're arguing that um, these those 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 companies, like the Internet Research Agencies and others, um, they're using the um, the, uh, the the informational process and the openness in our in our political system to try to find out how we're combating um, these types of, of of intrusions into our political system um, in 2020. Um, it seems though like a uh, you know this would have gotten probably front page attention for days if it wasn't for coronavirus. Um, how are you seeing it, Karen? Do you think it's I mean, it, it doesn't seem that that discovery um, would would be able to do that, that you would just say, well, it's national security, so it's not going to be shared. Um, you know, I, it, 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 it doesn't really seem to make much sense to me, at least that argument, because you would be able to restrict it because obviously it's national security. Um, you know, what are you seeing out of it from what you've read? And, and, and does it seem justified in the right thing to do? Or is it more of this uh, political gamesmanship from Bill Barr. Again, I just, it, you know, the first reaction that comes to my mind is, why are they doing this right now? This really, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and then the more cynical side of me thinks, well, they're doing this because they know nobody's paying attention to mm-hmm. any other issues with the Trump administration, so this is the perfect time. Um, you know, probably in the minds of most Americans, the entire matter with Russian interference into the 2016 election, um, that's in the rearview mirror now. 
Uh, although, it, by all accounts, from everything we've seen, what a lot of security analysts are saying, Russia is still interfering in our elections um, and will definitely plan to in November. Um, so, I, yeah, it, it's hard not to be cynical about this. Um, I, I, I just, again, the answers are why, and I'm not sure that, that Barr has really given a, enough of a concrete answer to, you know, why they're now going to drop these charges. Yeah. It just, it, but again, people are not paying attention to this because we've got a pandemic that is now, you know, affecting every other aspect of American, and dare I say, global life. So I, it just, this just seems like there's no good reason for the, for the Justice Department to be doing this. That I can see. Yeah, I mean, doesn't the argument argument seem hollow that, uh, you know, I mean, you can't, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you release uh, your investigation tactics, um, you know, openly and and, and just say that you're going to do that? I mean, it it seems like that's what they are saying. It just right. doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense that you would do that. Um, you don't have to reveal that, um, you know, and they say, well, it's going to be negligible, um, you know, uh, impacts and you're not going to really get anybody to go to jail and you're not going to get that much money out of them. And it is what it is. So we're done. Um, it, it, it's, it just seems yeah. it seems short sighted. It seems like it's not really there, um, you know, and we have a lot of things to deal with. I agree with you. Um I, I do think it would be, you know, front page news if it wasn't for coronavirus and, um, you know, people would be looking into it that that probably aren't right now. And no one's traveling and no one's going and doing the normal uh, investigation work like you can go interview a bunch of people. Everyone is is I know a lot of journalists aren't doing one on one face to face interviews anymore. No one's going and sitting in a waiting room right now. Um you know, right. and it really makes the news uh, gathering, uh, uh, you know, the job of news gathering difficult. You know, I know when I worked at smaller community newspapers, we did most of our stories over the phone. But that's not the way it necessarily works in Washington um, from those folks that I've known that have worked there. Um, it is a very, um, uh, 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 I guess, restaurants. Uh, you know, you get a lot of stories there, a lot of stories at bars, a lot of stories just going and hanging out at places that you can't do. Um, and also at, you know, regular governmental, you know, functions that just aren't being held, uh, uh, held anymore. So I don't know, that's a very crazy case. And like you said, well, we're going to probably have to wait to see, um, really what the truth is and what kind of impact it has. Um, on, in, in the other side of it, uh, there was a political, um, there was some elections held on, on Tuesday. Um, not in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, Governor DeWine canceled that. But there was a, the Arizona primary, right. um, the Illinois primary, and the Florida primary. Joe Biden, clean sweep. Um, at the debate, uh, Biden and Sanders both said that they were going to go for a woman running, a running mate. Uh, you know, we talked about this before. And, you know, I hate to tar somebody as a specific gender, uh, you know, uh, just because. Um if you're good enough to be a vice president, you're just good enough to be there. Um, why, why say, well, I'm got to go after a woman, except it's political, just do it. Um, and if it's right politically, um, I don't think you need to really kind of wear that badge, but, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, 
you know, uh, definitely something that's going to be, you know, going to be happening. We know that now. Both Sanders and Biden have both said that they're going to, um, that they would move forward with a, a woman as a running, uh, as a running mate. Biden looks like he's got the lead here. Um, you know, to me, um, you know, I don't know what else you want to talk about it, but the first thing I throw it over to you is who do you think that running mate might be? Of course, we can just talk about Biden because I think Sanders is, <clears throat> you know, uh, definitely not going to get the nomination at this point. Um, you know, to me, I still say, you know, Kamala Harris looks like, you know, probably the easiest one, although that doesn't really work geographically. We don't really, uh, you know, the Democrats don't really need uh, uh, those votes in California. Um, right. I, yeah. You know, Stacey Abrams and, and what might happen uh, down south probably won't help them very much because they're probably going to lose those states anyway. Um you know, what, what are you looking at? Who 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 you think is, will it, you know, I mean, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris have been the two that have been really talked about. I, I you know, I, I don't know if I agree with you necessarily that every red state is a lost cause for Democrats. Mm-hmm. I think especially if Joe Biden were to pick Stacey Abrams, that puts Georgia seriously into play. And Georgia yeah. has been in play. Yeah. For some time now, um, just as Texas, believe it or not, may not be that ruby red of a state anymore. Um, so I, I think, again, I, Kamala Harris might be better as attorney general. I, I, the Democrats are going to win California no matter what. I'm, I'm sorry. There's just no way in hell the GOP is going to take the state. On, you know, that, that's, that's just – and again, not so long ago, California was a pretty good GOP stronghold, but times have changed. Yeah. So I, I think the Biden team, you know, needs to find somebody who can appeal, you know, to to more than just the, the, the blue states. And I think having a nominee like Abrams, who's certainly qualified, uh, charismatic, and, you know, nearly became governor of Georgia, um, were it not, you know, for some rather strange machinations going on and from that election in 2018, um, I, I think just Harris would not really benefit Biden all that much in terms of you know appeal on the national level. So, or it could be another name we we haven't heard of that that might you know give his campaign a little more fire. Um, I, obviously, I, I I know what the argument in terms of well he's just saying a woman and that sounds like tokenism, but there are plenty of qualified women to be vice president. I, oh, yeah. I think that's been pretty obvious now oh, for yeah. decades. Well, well, not just vice president, president. but president. Sure. Sure. That's been pretty obvious for decades now. Oh, yeah. But again, it's a matter of, of strategy and, and picking up enough of these swing states, specifically Wisconsin, you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and you know, Ohio. I, I think that's a state that, unlike others, might really be very Republican now. And there's might be harder for, for Democrats to win that under any circumstances, but we just don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, uh, I, I, you know, you've, you've heard this argument from Democratic analysts. The, the presumptive nominee needs to find somebody who's going to appeal to the main voting bases for that party. And primarily that is people of color. Right, right. Um, and again, there is, there's, there's certainly no, there are no shortage of, of qualified women or men, uh, you know, to, to be a good vice presidential pick for 
you know, if, if for Biden, who, as you've said, is the presumptive nominee now. I, yeah, I right. think Bernie Sanders' chances of, of winning the, the nomination are just well, there. You know, you haven't mentioned you know, Elizabeth they're, they're Warren. Shrinking. And, you know, you hadn't mentioned Elizabeth Warren in this conversation. Is that because of that, we, you know, you need to appeal to people of color and, and, and you know, you don't want an all-white uh, ticket? I mean, are we still, I mean. I, I think, yeah, candidly, that is, a, you know, this isn't coming just from me. This is coming from, you know, people within the Democratic Party sure, who, sure. Now, again, we, we can go into the, some of the narratives, which I'm not sure always apply, that one of the reasons Hillary Clinton didn't win in 2016, never mind the Russian interference, it was that she just wasn't as exciting a candidate to uh, voters of color in the way, uh, say, you know, President Obama was, or, or Bill Clinton, for that matter, or Bernie Sanders. Although, you know, Sanders, I think, is doing very well with the Latinx, uh, you know, voting population, not so much with African-Americans or, and and I'm not sure, you know, how he fares with, you know, Asian-Americans or or other voters from minority groups. Um, But, you know, Joe Biden is immensely popular and the polls show this with African-American voters. Um, You know, he may need to do a little work with the Latinx community and that is an incredibly powerful, uh, you know, voting base now for both parties, I might add. Um, and so I, I, I think just obviously right now, you know, the former vice president is, is probably talking with his advisors and trying to find somebody who's going to have the broadest appeal. Uh, it's obviously crucial for the Democrat to win at several of these swing states that the, the Clinton just barely, barely lost in 2016. So they're just, you know, there's so many dynamics and elements involved in this, um, but again, I, you know, I, I don't think if Biden chooses Stacey Abrams, I know you're not saying this either. I don't think that's being tokenistic at all. Abrams is a rising star within the Democratic Party. She is definitely somebody who, no matter what may happen in this year, has a very bright future. And oh, yeah. I think we're going to see her, you know, on the national ballot if maybe Democrats don't win this year, for sure in 2024. But she's certainly not the only person there. You know, there's Cory Booker. There, there's Harris. Uh, you know, the, the Castro brothers from Texas, uh, you know, there, there are quite a few candidates from from, you know, minority backgrounds who have, could prove themselves to be you know really strong contenders if they've got the right message. Uh, yeah. Remember, 10 years ago or, or not, no, I'm sorry, 10, 20 years ago, let's no one would have envisioned a man named Barack Obama becoming president. And, yeah. you know, and then out of nowhere in 2004, when he gave this extraordinary speech at the Democratic National Convention, that was the name on everybody's lips, you know, right, right. on everybody's lips. And well, lo and behold, he did it in 2008 yeah. um, and then yeah. got reelected in 2012. So I, you know, I say this phrase a lot. Nobody knows nothing. Um, and I, you know, I, I think the, the Biden campaign has a. You know, a very tough choice to make, but it's got, uh, you know, there are a tremendous amount of, of candidates that, from which to choose. So yeah. I, Abrams is, is looked at as appealing for a lot of reasons, that, but for all we know, Biden could go with, with someone else. It's, it's just, it's still, you know, as I keep saying, John, it's a long way to the convention. And especially now in this, you know, with this extraordinary health crisis in which we find ourselves and, and it's still a long way to November. But at the end of the day, Donald Trump is looking politically weaker uh, as each day goes by. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, no, I, I think agree. obviously his campaign knows that. And I think the Biden campaign knows that, too. Oh, yeah. So. And, you know, I, I, 
I just have the, you know, my instincts tell me that it's going to be Harris, that he's going to tab. I think that he likes her. I think they know each other. Um, and that is somewhat important. Um, you know, I think Stacey, you know, Stacey Abrams is, is, is a very powerful speaker. She's energetic. She's great. Um, I wish she was the governor of Arizona. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, the fact is she's not. Um but I just think on a national stage, she's not ready yet um, for this. Um, and I just think that's who he's going to pick. I mean, I, you know, not necessarily my – that's my perception. I think that that's what the Biden campaign is going to take from it. Um, and that's why I think Harris is the automatic pick. I do think, though, that, that this is going to be unlike other administrations or even other uh, uh, campaigns – you're going to have uh, homes for most of these people that we've been talking about. Elizabeth Warren is going to be identified as if I win, she's going to be this. Um, if I win, Sanders specifically and importantly is going to have a role already set up. And I, you know, I mentioned on our last podcast, I think the Biden Bernie, if they could get over it, would win no matter what, just because he'd get a lot of energy from that group. Um, they're not going to do it for other reasons, whether it's just, you know, you know, I think politically that's the easiest route to the white house for them. Um, just because of the energy that's there, obviously we can talk about all the female candidates, but Stacey Abrams probably wouldn't even gotten a hundred electoral votes if she ran for president. Um, I mean, uh, 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 votes, uh, you know, delegates to the democratic democratic, um, uh, presidential nomination, um, just like Elizabeth Warren didn't, just like Kamala Harris didn't, um, just because of the nature of it. And I think that, that Sanders really would have been the best choice if they could have gotten over their 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 disagreements. Um, but I think it's going to be Harris. I think that, we're, like I said, we're going to see people with roles um, and clearly defined. It's going to be Bernie's going to be part of this administration, period. Um, and and I, th- I think they're going to do the same thing down the line with Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, with Mayor Pete, with Stacey Abrams, all these big names, they're all going to be saying this is the job they're going to hold. Um, you know, that, you know, that's my take. You know, if you want to throw anything out on the political thing, we can just lastly, you know, really quickly a minute or two on John Bolton. Are you, do you have anything else on the on the Democratic presidential uh, nominations? No, no, you've made a lot of good and very interesting points. And of course, in, in my opinion, I just we just it's just too early to say where, you know, who's going to be the nominee. I, I, you know, Biden could absolutely surprise us. Um, a lot of twists and turns uh, on the way to this election. Yeah, you know, he's, um, he, he has yeah. to realize, though, that there's a good chance he's not running in four years. I mean, he is going to be nearly 82 years old. Um, All right. I, I think if Biden you know, wins, it's, it's, it, it's, it should be one term, and then he needs to you know, step down and let his vice president, you know, and well, and there may be other contenders, uh, never mind who the Republicans will sure, be running, sure. um, you know, they, they, you know, then decide to to run for the highest office in the land. I, uh, you know, I, I think Trump has already proven that, you know, what happens when you put somebody who clearly is not fit on any level into this office, uh, the kind of disasters that in, that uh, occur. Yeah, so yeah. Joe Biden is certainly not the same person as Donald Trump by any means. Um, but as you said, he's going to be 82 if he is elected to the to the presidency. Um, and I, I think for a lot of Americans that that, you know, that simply is too old anymore to be having, you know, the, the oh, yeah. highest office in the uh, land and all that that entails. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he'd be the oldest president ever. Um, 
So right. let's 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 quickly go to, and I think it was very interesting because you know we talked about the situation with the DOJ and the Internet Research Agency, these other Russian companies, um, and it does seem like you know, hey, while all this other stuff is going on, we can we can we can drop this. It would have seemed like the perfect time to let John Bolton's book come out as well, but that didn't happen. Um, and whether it was just because they really thought that all this coronavirus thing was going to blow over and it would be politics as usual and they didn't want it to come out. But having it come out later in the summer, um, early fall, is even more devastating um, in my mind. Um, it was just to think this was a miscalculation on on the uh, administration's part, thinking that, that this would be on top of the news and they didn't really realize that it, would just, it was the best time to kind of let it go away quietly. Well, you know, as we've seen more often than not, this administration overreacts to a lot of things. Um, and just given the acrimonious relationship between Bolton and the Trump administration, I, I, you know, I'm not surprised. Uh, I, I think, frankly, there's very little sort of national, you know, support for John Bolton one way or the other, um, that he would not testify when he should have. Uh, you know, if, if Donald Trump were innocent, he certainly would have done him a lot of favors during the impeachment hearings and, and trial. Um, but he didn't do that. And of course, you know, in this sort of very ham-handed manner, you know, wait for my book um, to, 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 I suppose, take his, uh, you know, political bot shots at, at Trump. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know how this is going to, you know, people are really going to respond to this book. I, I just don't think John Bolton has done himself any favors with it. I don't think this book's going to sell particularly well. Um, given, I think a lot for a lot of Americans, Bolton's looked at as a, you know, as a guilty player in all of this, especially, especially he, the role he played in now disbanding the pandemic unit uh, in the white house. Um, I, again, this is something I don't think most people are really paying attention to. It, it kind of seems like a, you know, what's the phrase, pissing contest <laughs> between the two of them. And now it's, it is, according now, you know, it's in the list in the top 100 of Amazon's best-selling books, although, you know, significant number of pre-orders. But, uh, you know, how the public really will respond to it, that remains to be seen. Um, I, I just, uh, John Bolton is not a, a sympathetic player here at all. So... Uh, yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll see what he he has to say. And, and I, I, you know, I don't know how seriously that's going to be taken. Well, Karen, and let's, that's, my, that's my sense on the book. So. Let's wrap this up. Um, we have coronavirus preparations uh, to undergo. Um, no, uh, hmm. I have to go wait in a toilet paper line. Um, we didn't even talk about shortages uh. at the grocery stores. But um, we talked about a lot of great things today, Karen, as always. Um, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for talking to our listeners. Thanks for just being Karen. Thanks for being my friend for over 20 years, I think now, uh, or nearing 20 years. So anyway, um, you know, everybody stay healthy, happy, and safe, especially you too, Karen, you and your husband and your pup. Uh, hope everybody's well. Thank you. Thank you. I wish the best to your family and to all the listeners out there. Stay safe, wash your hands, use common sense, and be well. So I'll catch you next time, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.